Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. Welcome to The Kitchen Table. My name is Jake. And I'm Brian. And we are so glad to have you back for another episode of The Kitchen Table. A quick rundown of how and why we set up this show. I went to college, and that's kind of why we started it. But we also wanted to encourage people, parents, young adults, to have faith discussions. Dad's always raised me to just be open with my faith with him and we've always talked about just hard faith questions and we created this platform to share it with you because we think it's important also it's some kind of like mandatory dad and son bonding time mandatory not mandatory but (laughs) am i forcing you to do this fun fun mandatory you know because it's like hey we gotta record mandatory hey we gotta record but you know i'm like all right this is fun so i'll keep doing it i think you're digging this hole deeper i am digging this hole deeper so i'm gonna move on quick rundown of the show so we do our first 20 to 30 minutes of our faith discussion and that depends on just whatever yeah we've been talking about corona we've been talking about worship we've been it's a plethora of things we haven't used that word in a while and then we move into a segment called music matters and simply put we think that music matters We just talk about music and songs that are inspiring us this week or new songs that we have. And we go into the time vault a little bit. The oldie but goldie, my favorite segment. And then we move into a segment called Culture Shock. Culture Shock is basically us celebrating someone making a difference in culture for Christ. Now that can be a celebrity. We do actors and sports figures and different people. Or we do, as Jake likes to call it, your average Joe Schmo. Today we have a church that started something that is now spread across the United States. And I'm not talking a virus. That's awesome. The (laughs) church part, not the virus part. (laughs) Yeah. Well, today is is unique because we call this program The Kitchen Table because we want conversations to happen over the kitchen table. In our house, we don't even have a table in our kitchen. We have a counter, of course. We have a counter. We should do it off the counter sometime. We're not in the studio today. We're at home because of the quarantine, and we're actually recording on the cardboard table today. We are. Yes. In my office and the dining room table, which we do have in our house, is mom's is mom's office. So it's covered. mom's office, mom's mask making station, mom's. It's occupied. It's mom's room. Yeah, it's we'll mom's just room. call that. Yeah. Today, interesting topic I wanted to talk about. You know, we talked about Corona or COVID nineteen for several several weeks. weeks, and we wanted to get back into discussing more faith things, and we think we can do that now as we emerge from the crisis, and mm-hmm. the emergence will happen. Yeah, not sure how many more weeks. We're starting to see some. For us, it's four. At least. (laughs) At least where we are, yeah. What is, in your opinion, the most important concept in the life of a Christian? Important concept. Mm -hmm. Living a life for Christ, Mm -hmm. uh, even in hard situations. Okay. Especially as young adults, we... We have so much access to do whatever we want. I'm 20 now. Wow, that is weird to say. I am 20. You've been 20 for a while. I know, but I just haven't said it in a while because I haven't talked to people in 2020. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> pretty much. I think it's important to know that we just, if we live a life for Christ in hard situations, I think that is what's going to get us our reward in heaven. Okay. Well, the concept I want to talk about today. Oh, I didn't get it right. No, but it's okay. okay. It kind of flows into that. And they say it's really the most co- most important concept in scripture, in uh, Christianity, and also in our world is the concept of grace. So I want to break down our conversation in three different segments today. I want to talk about what grace is, and mm-hmm. we can discuss that. I want to talk about how grace is misused. That's really, I've thought this for a couple years now, how the word grace has been hijacked in Christianity to mean something else, and and we'll get to that. And then the last part of this discussion, I want to move into ways that we can practice grace in our everyday lives. Sound like a plan? Yeah. Okay, so first part, what is grace? What is grace? I kind of, 
There's a thousand different I know, definitions. I, I, so. The first word I think of is forgiveness. Like grace from God is different. I, I, I see it in two different ways. Like grace from God is completely different than grace from people. So you offering grace to someone else. Yeah, I think mm-hmm. that's completely different because, I mean, grace from God... Uh, quote work love we don't deserve it we didn't earn it we didn't you know like we don't mm-hmm. we don't deserve any of it because we're sinful people but god's grace is so good that we get to have an opportunity to go to heaven if we live for him and grow to be more like christ each day grace from other people i think it's understanding that everyone is going through a hard time and that everyone is not perfect so grace would be more in line with patience mm, a little yeah. a step further than patience yeah, but yeah, yeah. But mixture of patience and forgiveness on our part. Yeah, I think so. Which is different from grace as a divine from God. Yeah. So I want to look at some of the different ways that uh, I've seen grace explained. One of those is that grace is the opposite of karma. Karma is always about getting what you deserve. Yeah. Oh, karma, right? Grace is about getting what you don't deserve. Grace is the love of God shown to the unlovely. The peace of God given to the restless, the unmerited favor of God. So I wanted to point out how grace is defined by by certain theologians. B.B. Warfield says, grace is free, sovereign favor to the ill-deserving. So again, it's that free gift. They talk about salvation, the grace that Jesus extends to us. That's that free gift from God. John Stott says, grace is love that cares and stoops and rescues. I love the word stoops. God is going to go out of his way, and stoop, come to our level when he doesn't have to, to rescue us. Yeah. Jerry Bridges says, grace is God reaching downward to people who are in rebellion against him. And Paul Zoll says, grace is unconditional love toward a person who does not deserve it. Now that can even be from the human side of things. Yeah. Loving someone who doesn't deserve it, maybe someone who has hurt you. The concept of grace and God's grace it really grounds and empowers everything we do in the Christian life. Yeah, I believe that. It's the basis for our identity as Christians. 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, By the grace of God, I am who I am. Yeah. It is a huge part of our identity as a follower of Christ. Also, our standing before God in Romans 5.2, the grace in which we stand. How do we, as flawed human beings, ever earn the right to stand before God the Creator. It's crazy. We can't earn it. I know. (laughs) I mean, we can't earn that. Yeah. And it's just, it's like a crazy concept of just how can someone, you know, like we make mistakes all the time and it's just like, dang, Mm -hmm. it's awesome. It's just like you're taken aback of just like, wow, he does love everyone. How would grace become the basis for our behavior? Well, uh, they say that that grace is the basis of the Christian life, but when it comes to our behavior, how does it become the basis for our behavior? We we live in a world that has a certain behavior, and we're not perfect. Yeah, we all slip up. We all try harder every day mm-hmm. to be like Jesus. That's what this is all about. And it's only by the grace of God that we are able to behave as a Christ follower in this world. Grace is the basis of our living. Those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. It's by the grace of life. 1 Peter 1.7 uses that phrase. Do you think the basis of grace is our strength for living this life? Yeah, I think so. If we lived a life where we didn't have grace, I think, I, I can't imagine, I mean, 
I don't know how people who aren't believers do it. Right. You know, like how do they, because I mean, I've made bad decisions. I've made mistakes. I've done these things, but I know that I am forgiven because God loves me. Jesus loves me. And I'm just like, well, how do these people who don't believe in God, how do you feel not guilty or not? How do you get a sense of forgiveness or hope for tomorrow? Exactly. And I think, how do you get this sense of forgiveness for yourself? Like if I made, I I upset you when I was annoying you, like, (laughs) Every day. <laughs> but every day. Yeah, yeah. I can ask you for forgiveness. Like, I'm sorry for annoying you the other day and playing with your beard because it's funny because you just get so upset. And you can forgive me. You're just pestering me. It's well, you, not. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just I'm just using that yeah. extreme example. Mm-hmm. You can forgive me, but what if I feel terrible about myself and I, I need a reassurance of, wow, I'm a terrible person. Where does your sense of hope and grace come for yourself? And that is through God. How do people do it that mm-hmm. don't believe in God? It's just, I uh, I can't even imagine. So, you know, the phrase that grace is tied to, 2 Corinthians 2, nine, my grace is sufficient for you. Yeah. What does that phrase mean to you? It's a hard topic because, I mean, we've talked about it. Like grace, we think that grace is overused or stepped over, like the line stepped over. Mm-hmm. I think that we've gotten this concept that grace is sufficient so we can go on and make mistakes Oh, it's okay. God's forgiven me. God has shown me grace. Yes, grace is sufficient enough. If you have, it's the mindset that you're in where it's not hindering you. If you're purposefully doing things where you know that's acting against God Mm -hmm. and then being, oh, it's okay. God's shown me grace. God's forgiven me. We're going to talk about the misunderstanding. Yeah, yeah, no, and I get that. But I I think grace is sufficient enough is important to understand as a basic Christian principle. Well, if you read the verse prior to that one, 2 Corinthians 2, 8, it says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. So it's just that never-ending supply yeah, and that constant ever-presence that God is working in your life, that grace is working in your yeah. life. That's what all-sufficient, that's at all times. You know, uh, how we respond, and you sort of hinted on this a little bit earlier, when life gets hard and suffering happens, how a believer in Christ has a hope and how someone who doesn't have that relationship with Christ is missing that hope. Um, You know, with with all the COVID-19 stuff that's going on, we did a research project of our radio audience, which are followers of Christ for the most part. Yeah. This was a, a survey that was done nationwide by one of the one of the our, our app developer. Actually, they looked at all radio stations, and then they broke down the results within Christian music radio. They broke down results in mainstream radio, and then they also separated out NPR radio stations. Mm. It was interesting comparing the results from those radio stations that play Christian music and primarily are followers of Christ. The listener level of hope was off the charts compared to others. Wow. We know where our hope lies. Mm-hmm. And so we know that in times of difficulty, in times of suffering, there is another side of this. Yeah. So we trust in that other side. Hebrews 4.16, we get the grace to help in time of need. And when you have suffered a little while, the grace, the God of all grace will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. That's 1 Peter 1.10. Scripture specifically tells us that God will restore. He will strengthen. He will establish or reestablish you. Yeah. And that's through his grace. We can't plan for tomorrow. 
it's kind of a weird concept we in right now because we don't know how long this is going to last. We know yeah. there's going to be another side. We know there's going to be a new normal. But when it comes to our future and the place that grace has in our future, we have to remember that God and his grace is everlasting. 1 Peter 1.13, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Even our future, grace is a basis for that. So it's not just about our identity and our standing before God and our behavior and our strength for living and how it's sufficient or how we respond in times of difficulty. It's really this all-encompassing thing that is the basis for the life of a Christian. Yeah. You sort of hit it on this earlier, and I want to jump into this side of things. There's sort of been like this hijacking yeah. of the concept of grace. And I think more than anything, it's a misunderstanding of what grace is versus what grace isn't. And so I wanted to look at some of these. Some people think that grace from the humanistic side of things is like this Christian nice code. Yeah. Right? You sort of talked about this earlier. Many Christians think of grace as the nice things that we're expected to do for each other. And so instead of telling someone what you really think about them, you give them grace. Instead of lashing back at an unfair situation, you graciously keep silent. You're like that coffee shop friend. Grace is reduced to a niceness code that we're expected to live by. And so sometimes we use this as an excuse to cover up our own behavior. Oh, we're just going to, you know, you see someone who's a follower of Christ and they're making a mistake. We're just like, oh, you know, well, I'm just going to extend them some grace. Yeah. You think? Do you think that's what Jesus and God wants us to do? I think we are supposed to extend grace, but I also think there's been a misunderstanding of showing grace to people and then putting people first before mm -hmm. yourself. Mm -hmm. A lot of Christians today are learning that there's a balance between self-care and then letting people walk all over you. Yes, you can show grace. Take, for example, I'm an example kind of guy. Say you're in high school again. Sorry for the old people. It's been a while, especially like you, Dad. Thank you. You have this friend that is using you for something. I don't know. He's kind of walking all over you. He's trying to get whatever he wants out of you. And you can extend grace and be like, dude, I don't like this. But it comes a point when it's like four times, like two, three, four times when he's doing this over and over again. It's like, okay, I can't do this anymore. And I think as Christians, we, we see this in the Bible and we see this through God's will. But God also wasn't walked on. Jesus wasn't walked over. He stood for what he believed in. He showed grace to people, but he also understood when people are... He called them on it. Yeah. Otherwise, let's face it, the temple yard and the... yeah selling merchants like jesus got mad <laughs> like he flipped the table that was one of my favorite stories because it's like <laughs> you see that god was actually human i mean he was tempted he was mad he was he felt all the feelings mm -hmm. growing up you always see jesus as just like oh my goodness he always had a light around his head he had a halo <laughs> right like he was perfect and yes he was growing up as a christian i always understood with perfection as happiness mm. And never really saw like the angry Jesus where he flipped a table because he was like, I'm done with this. Yeah. I think seeing that side of, of Jesus and it clears the understanding of it's okay to be mad. It's okay to stand up for yourself and not just always, it sounds bad, but not always show grace because it comes a limit when you're showing grace and creating an opportunity for people to just keep using you. Okay. I get that. We've talked about another misunderstanding here. We hinted on it earlier about how this comes in an excuse. You know, even during the time of the Apostle Paul, there are followers of Christ 
who used this grace, if it's true, then you could sin and sin and sin some more because grace is going to cover it anyway. And some Christians today also fear that grace is just an excuse to live like you want to, right? Well, Paul's response, and I think and this is this is the main reason I think it's been hijacked. Paul's response in Romans 6, 2, he says, God forbid, he uses the word God forbid, when grace is truly received, as, as Paul was talking about, he says, this precious gift never leaves the recipient of the grace the same. You see, grace changes you from the inside out. There's no need to fear that holding on to grace will mean a return to old sin patterns or godless living. Grace will never leave you as it finds you. It changes everything. Read Romans 6 if you want to know more about that, but that's true. And I think a lot of times we've hijacked that concept of grace as an excuse. Yeah. Oh, it's okay. God's grace has got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Even even using it justifying sin in our own own life. Yeah. It's okay. God's grace has got it. Now, what about all the part of the Bible where it talks about your life has changed? You are a new creation. Be holy as I am holy. It's more than just grace. I'm covered. I'm good. I just go and do what I want. It's way more than that. Yeah. It's also not something that you just check off of a list for be godly. Now, most of us don't have a be godly list. We're checking things off, right? Many of us keep in our minds the one that we measure ourselves against to see if we're living a godly Christian life. Grace sometimes becomes just one more thing that we add to that list, that mental list we have. Grace cannot be confined to a list that we check off. It's not a project we're trying to complete. It's something that is lived and breathed in ordinary moments of our life. It shows up in our conversations as we gather around the kitchen table. It shows up in interaction with the folks we come in contact with. Let's face it, who are we coming in contact with? We're not contacting uh, If we're picking up groceries, that person. I don't know. Grace permeates all of our life and cannot be demoted to just a mere action item on a list. Yeah. We talked about that basis of grace, and you see all these things. It, it is. Grace is the basis of our life yeah. in every aspect. Another one is, uh, the majority of Christians have heard that the word grace most often is in reference to salvation. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you are saved through faith. We hear that verse all the time, right? Yeah. Grace is that wooing of God that draws us to accept Jesus and gain eternal life. Grace absolutely exists to offer life, eternal life in heaven. But eternal life in heaven isn't the only kind. You see, grace exists to bring more life to the life that we're in the middle of right now. It's why Jesus came, to give us life more abundantly, John 10.10. It's the same grace that brought salvation that offers life right now. It's the basis for everything. It enables us to live our everyday adventure with joy and victory. So some ways that we misuse grace. Now, how do we practice grace? How do we dive in and if it's the basis for everything we do, what does that mean? How do we practice this thing called grace? Luke 9.23 says, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Grace is all about remembrance, remembering who God is, what God has done in my life. Each day it's important for us to rehearse his hand of faithfulness in our lives. We can choose to remember his truth and the truth of the Bible over all the thoughts that come into our head throughout the day. Jesus told us to take up our cross daily, deny ourselves every day. And Lamentations tells us that God's mercies are new every day. So a part of grace 
And a way that we can practice grace is just remembering what God has done for us and is doing for us and will do for us. Another way that we practice grace is being thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Grace has a product. It produces gratitude. Yeah. You know, Paul says, in all circumstances, we're to give thanks. Express thanks in our homes, for our health, for our families, for our friends, for the way God provides in our lives. Now, some days it can be hard to imagine what there is to be thankful for. Like quarantine. I was, I, well, I, I honestly think, especially thankfulness, is a hard one right now. I mean, mm-hmm. being trapped in your house, like, but you still have things to be thankful for. You're thankful that you have a roof over your home. You're Thankful you're not sick. Thankful right? you're not sick. Not thankful that is... you have groceries. Thankful that even though we're starting to annoy each other, but my family, <laughs> you know, it's it's a hard time to be thankful. Even in the storms of life, the days we can't bear anymore, there are notes of thankfulness to be found. He's promised to never leave us alone. And that's a powerful thing that goes right to our hearts. And there are personal battles that rage within each of us. God sees them all. He alone knows the full scope of our hearts. So we can thank God daily, and that everyday thanking of God is an act of grace. Another way that we can practice grace is forgiveness. Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgiving someone, man, that's an everyday act of grace. It takes an alliance with our hearts and with God more than the compliance of others. You know, it's good to apologize, and it's great if someone says to us, you know, I'm sorry, especially if they've hurt us. But what happens when that apology doesn't come? The state of our souls depends on forgiveness. We are forgiven as followers of Christ and have accepted Him as our Savior. We are forgiven. So we, as followers of Christ, we have no other option but to forgive. Jesus didn't forgive us at arm's length. And forgiveness may be a one-time thing, but it's more often a repetitive process. What do I mean by that? Uh, If someone's harmed you, has really hurt you, and you didn't get that apology, but still you forgive them. But it might be a thing where you're, through the grace of God in your own life, you're having to forgive them every day. It's a process because it was such a deep hurt that you have to do that every day. And we can only do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, quite honestly. Another way we practice grace is through prayer. Open line of communication with God. We keep that conversation going every day. That is an act of grace. Let's face it, Jesus died to lend us that privilege. The phrase, never stop praying in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, encompasses the good, the bad, and everything and everyone in between. When we learn to let go of it all in prayer to the one with hands capable to handle it, that keeps us grounded in our faith and dependent on him, practicing grace through prayer. Yeah. What would be another one, Jake? Another one would be getting into the word. There's so many examples of grace and forgiveness in the word. In order to hear the word and do what it says, we have to be in it. One of my favorite passages is in Deuteronomy. It's actually instruction to parents, to themselves, but also to, to their kids of teaching them the Word of God. And it literally says to write it on your heart. Yeah. The heart at that point was considered the center of everything for a human. And so to literally write it on your heart, something that can't be taken away. It's embedded in your heart at that point. Jesus got up early to spend time with his Father 
in prayer. And that was when the point where, you know, the devil tempted him, Pharisees were pressuring him, but he knew the word of God. He had that written on his heart. So when we go walking out into our world, when we're able to, (laughs) and we don't have our hearts prepared with the word of God, it's like walking blind. It's not enough just to hear the word of God. James says this, James 1.22, grace brings the word of God alive in us and moves us to reflect on it. So we practice grace also by encouraging others, by serving others. Practice grace by simply smiling at people. You can practice grace by singing. Scripture is full of songs. Yeah. I mean, there's a whole book. It's called Psalm. Exactly. And we also practice grace by simply saying, hello. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Saying hello to someone you know, to a stranger on the street, can be an everyday act of grace. Remember, grace is a gift, and God has called us to obediently share the gospel with others. A simple greeting, saying hello, might just make someone feel seen as you pass them. But it could also open up a conversation or a new relationship. Being obediently open to God's call for us to communicate to each other. We let go of fear. We take a leap. We say hello. God is faithful to prepare us through our personal time in prayer and His Word, coupled that with our life experiences, and we meet others where they are and in a purposefully placed conversation. Mm. I think that's an excellent way that we can practice grace. Yeah. So we've uh, gone for full circle with this conversation, starting out where what grace is, the misunderstandings of grace, and how we can practice grace. And I hope this has uh, been a help to you, um, especially to you as you explain this concept to your kids and what grace is and what grace isn't. Yeah. That's our faith conversation. And now it's time for Music Matters. Okay, Music Matters, we celebrate generational differences in music. Uh, Usually I bring a song, and then Jake brings a song. I do bring a song. And then we go back in time for our oldie but goldie. My new song. New song. Brand new song. Brand new. Every year, right around the beginning of the year, literally the first week of January, for the past, oh, I don't know how many years now, 20 plus years, there's been a conference of college students, for the most part. Started in Kentucky. Oh, yep. And um, now it's held a lot in Atlanta in the Georgia Dome. Yeah. And literally the Georgia Dome is packed out with college students. It's a passion conference. Yeah, I know you do. I want you to go because I want you to experience that. The Passion Conference, Louis Giglio and Chris Tomlin were one of the two of the group that started this passion thing all those years ago. Now, most people know Chris Tomlin, worship leader, tons of worship music. We sing more of his songs, I think, in worldwide than anywhere. But uh, Louis is a pastor, writer, tremendous uh, storyteller. And so they now have Passion Church in Atlanta area. They do the Passion Conference. There's Passion Band, and Passion Band is the worship band for Passion Church. Uh, Christian Stanfill is a part of Passion Band. I got a new song from them. And I think in this time, again, less fear, less anxiety, more trust, more hope, and more Jesus. That's where we put our our trust in. Mm -hmm. And so they have a new song. It's called, There's Nothing That Our God Can't Do. It's a new passion. And they're going to explain a little bit of the song, and then we'll hear it. 
When you read about Jesus and his time here on earth, he was always looking for people of faith, people that believed that he was who he said he was. And when Jesus met people of faith, that's where the miracles happened. That's where the healing happened. So what we pray for this song is that it will lift your eyes up above our circumstances and help us remember that with Jesus, it just takes one word. It just takes one touch and the whole story can change. And ultimately, we see that Jesus did change everything when he went to the cross for the sins of the world, but it didn't end there. He rose up from the grave and gave us his victorious life. So have faith today. Take heart today. Jesus has overcome. For greater things, there's no power like the power of Jesus. Let faith arise. Let all agree. There's no power like his power. There's nothing that a God can do. There's not a mountain that he I had a lot of friends who went to Passion Conference this Did you? Year. Okay. Yeah. And I was just sad because I was like, I wanted to go, but it's so hard because you have to go through like a church or something. Uh-huh. And it just, because our church doesn't do it. Oh, so, so you have to go like through a sponsored church. I think so. so I, I need not to, know that. I need to find one to go through. Yeah. So my song is an oldie but goldie for me. Uh, now, oldie for you is not that many years ago. I'm 20. So it was 2004. I was four years old. I didn't really listen okay. to that when I was four, but... Okay, I get it. It's, it's an oldie for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Reliant K, they just released a new kind of album, but it's not new because it's from the 2000s when they were playing. But right. the release, it's called Live. It's So just, it's like, are they recorded live? No. What? Yes, it's recorded live, but when they used to do shows back in like 2009. But it just kind of brought back one of my favorite songs, uh, Be My Escape by Reliant K. So I've just been listening to that all week. Mm-hmm. Um, so here is Be My Escape by Reliant K. Something I can show. back some good memories for me yeah bring back good memories for me too absolutely okay so now it's time for us to uh get on the time machine i guess if you will the delorean the we'll hop in the delorean and we're going to go back in time it's our oldie but goldie okay i want to go back to 1990 nine years before i was born I have a story for this one. Okay. So when I was in college, I had to do an internship. Um, and of course, I studied radio broadcasting. And you did? I did. I'm so surprised I by know. that. It's not like it's your entire life. But I did my internship at, in Nashville at a record company. And it was in the radio promotion side of things. My second day in this internship was a marketing meeting for Petra. And they had a new album coming out in 1990. This was May, June, nineteen ninety, when I did this internship. And my second day in this internship, I'm in a conference room with the record labels, marketing people, the radio promotions people, and the guys from Petra. And they're mapping out the marketing plan for their new record called Beyond Belief. I'm a college student. I am like in awe sitting here, <laughs> not contributing anything, yeah. just sitting here like this is awesome. You know, at the time it was. Yeah. Through this meeting, they're talking about different marketing pieces and different things and the plan to release songs to radio. And they were going to make a poster for the album that promote it. And they're like, well, how big do we make this poster? What size do we need? And someone says, well, what size do college students want? At that point, every eye looked at you right on me. <laughs> and I'm just like, it was like, I'm sure I had a deer in the headlight look, right? 
And they're like, how big? And I'm like, well, have you seen a college dorm room? It's typically cinder block white. Make it as big as possible. So if any of you remember that album, there was a poster that was made of the band in front of this really cool old looking plane. And it was a massive poster. That's because of me. Nice. Yeah. Nice. But that album, when it came out, there was they released a, a song called Love as the first radio single. But they also had a rock single. It was called Creed. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they were number one on every chart that existed in Christian music. The inspirational chart, the adult contemporary chart, the Christian hit chart was all the song Love. And then Creed was the rock song. And the album was number one in sales all at the same time. Wow. Never happened before. I don't know if it's ever happened since. That song, Love, was the number two song of all the songs from 1990. So that's the one we're going to play. Sweet. Here's Petra Love, 1990. I have a story about Petra. Yeah? My youth pastor would wake us up on retreat by blaring Petra through the sound system in the house. And he still sings it occasionally. And he still (laughs) sings it all the time. So, Ken Garner, if you're listening to this. He's got the Petra. I'm still mad at He's you. He's got the Petra, the Petra rock voice going. Well, can you imagine waking up to like Petra? Yeah. Not not even like quite like so the building we stayed in was a kind of like a hotel room. It was like a two story. Like uh-huh. there were rooms everywhere, and everyone could hear Petra just blaring at like seven a.m. Yeah. It got you up though, didn't it? It. Sad, yeah. Sadly, <laughs> sadly it did. That wraps up music matters. Now moving into culture shock. So in Culture Shock today, we uh, celebrate someone making a difference. And, um, you know, when COVID-19 exploded and we were all, for the most part, forced into quarantine, isolation, stay at home, safe at home, one of the characteristics of someone who follows Christ is compassion. And this is when the church kind of steps up and does things, right? And when we were all forced to stay inside, how do we do that? We want to be out there serving those in need and supporting those in need, and we're able to do it in a certain sense, but we're kind of limited in what we can do. And so I want to talk about a church that is in Scotch Plains, New Jersey. Pastor Chris Morante, the church is called Evangel Church, and they wanted to do something. So they created what are called Boxes of Hope. So it's a tangible way to stretch out a hand to those who are affected either through illness, through quarantine, or just the uncertainty of this time. And so they offer these boxes of much-needed supplies to those that were in need. And so these boxes were delivered right to the door by an army of dedicated volunteers. So obviously they did get out, you know, and they put it on the doorstep. So this is what Pastor Chris has to say. We've always been committed to reaching our neighbors. We always say our mission field is across the street and around the world. So we began to mobilize our efforts as soon as we saw this crisis beginning. We wanted to do something tangible to show God's love. So we just delivered some groceries in a box to their front door. They started out by delivering 600 boxes, not only to their neighborhood, but in the area of the state of New Jersey. Well, then they partnered with a couple of other organizations. You might know Convoy of Hope. Mm -hmm. And there's also one called World Help. And many other churches saw what they were doing and said, hey, we want to do this too. And so they have now rolled out this project on a national scale across the United States. He says, people came to the door in tears. For you to know that you're not forgotten, there's a God that sees you and loves you, and there is someone in a church that cares about you. It really means the world to people. He says, the greatest commodity that is in short supply is not found on the shelves of a grocery store, 
but in the hearts of people. We believe that Jesus is ready to do another miracle of that magnitude to combat the hopelessness of our day. So again, um, if you want to know more about Boxes of Hope, what we're going to do is we're going to put the link on the Kitchen Table Facebook group. If you're not a member of that, we invite you to do that. Just look for Shine.fm's page and then join the Kitchen Table group. We'll let you in. And there'll be a link there if you want to see how you can get involved in helping Boxes of Hope. Making a difference. That's what Culture Shock is all about. And that wraps up this episode of The Kitchen Table. As we said, as you said before, yeah. uh, if you want to keep on the conversation, uh, you can go to the Shine.fm Facebook page and there should be a group tab underneath with The Kitchen Table group. Yeah, if we want to keep on the conversation, if we want to share music there, if you want to share who you see in the culture, and then also if you want to get in touch with Box of Hope. Yeah, so different ways you can communicate with us. We certainly do. Thank you for tuning in this week. Hope you're staying safe and healthy. Uh, We'll continue to pray for you as you pray for us, and uh, have a wonderful quarantined week. And stay salty and lit. And then also wash your hands. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.